Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. I am your host, Nate Abaurea. Tweet me at NateWST and get a hold of all of us at World Soccer Talk. Subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes. Also find us on TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, the American Forces Network, and of course the website WorldSoccerTalk.com. We're going to be joined in this edition of the show by Terrence Ross, a reporter that you're familiar with through The Guardian as well as the aforementioned WorldSoccerTalk.com. And it's a show where we're going to be talking a lot about FIFA raids and arrests and the Department of Justice. I'm sure you've heard all about what went on earlier this morning over in Switzerland and what followed suit with the uh, Department of Justice officially charging 16 officials, all of whom are connected to CONCACAF or Conmable, and two top FIFA officials arrested during a surprise raid of a luxurious Zurich hotel, the same hotel where the big raids happened back uh, in May of this year. And the two gentlemen who were arrested at the hotel were CONCACAF president Alfredo Howitt and Conmable president Juan Angel Napout. So the presidents of CONCACAF and Conmable taken into handcuffs, taken into custody today in Switzerland, in Zurich, and then 14 more FIFA officials, again, all of whom who have connections to CONCACAF or CONMEBOL, some very powerful, high-ranking officials charged by the Department of Justice. Loretta Lynch had some very powerful comments today saying that the betrayal of trust set forth here is outrageous. The scale of corruption alleged herein is unconscionable. And the message from this announcement should be clear to every culpable individual in the shadows hoping to evade our investigation. You will not wait us out. You will not escape our focus. Now, I'm going to have a laugh here for a second because I've actually read this on Twitter from a number of folks who are my colleagues. Loretta Lynch sounds like Liam Neeson there at the end. I just want to throw that out there. You will not wait us out. You will not escape our focus. Quickly, there's no time. Terrence Ross is going to be with us on the other side of this break to break this whole saga down. We'll also be talking a little bit 
about the Bundesliga. Terrence just got back from a phenomenal press tour of Germany, spent a lot of time with Schalke and Leverkusen. And interesting story about Chicharito snubbing and kind of jabbing some American and Mexican soccer journalists. We'll talk about what all that means, but we're opening with the FIFA talk. Stay tuned. World Soccer Talk Radio. And now, more of World Soccer Talk Radio, right here on Sports Byline and SportsByline.com. Nate Abarea back here with you on World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Our guest in this edition of the program is a reporter for The Guardian. You might know his work from WorldSoccerTalk.com, that website that we love so much. Terrence Ross, thank you so much for coming on, sir. For having me. Absolutely. So... What do you make of, of these latest charges and arrests uh, connected with the ongoing FIFA scandal, or as some like to call it, the ongoing FIFA saga? And what do you make of the fact that these latest charges and arrests are so centered on North and South American officials? Yeah, so uh, I will admit this kind of, uh, the kind of unrolling of this saga, you know, starting in May and now with the latest allegations today, um, for fans of the game, I think it's not too surprising. I think we've known for years that corruption has been rife through our FIFA. Um, we just, you know, there's never been someone really taking on the charge like Loretta Rich is doing right now, where she seems to really have, you know, I think she's really whetted her appetite, um, kind of, you know, finding scandals and, you know, going through what's been happening. Uh, I'm reading, you know, her statements today, and uh, you can almost get the sense that, you know, the Department of Justice were pretty baffled uh, at the, I guess, the brazenness or how open, you know, these uh, corrupt officials were about what they were doing. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe people that worked with in the past, you know, maybe it was a bit more shrouded. They were able to hide what they were doing, but I think they've really been surprised at how open um, corruption has been in South and North America. Uh, so these charges, you know, I've, I've been reading through them, you know, 92 counts in total, um, really baffling in terms of just uh, abuse of power and just how long it's been going on. You know, you look at some of the language being used, uh, intergenerational corruption, the depth and persistence of the alleged corruption. Uh, they were really baffled by just, you know, how deep this has gone. And we, I still think we're somewhat on the tip of the iceberg. Uh, this, this is going to, you know, now that Loretta Lynch and the Department of Justice have really taken this on, we're going to be seeing in the next couple of months just more of these allegations coming to, uh, you know, coming to fruition. Well, let's expand on on that a little bit and and the the attitude and and seemingly the the desire of of Loretta Lynch and and everyone working with her right now and how important that is and how it could maybe get off track at some point? Or is this something where you think they are so firmly focused that, again, going back to this quote, if you are hoping to evade our investigation, you will not wait us out. You will not escape our focus. Speaking to every, quote-unquote, culpable individual who remains in the shadows, how long can this this desire stay on track? Because this seems like it's going to go on for quite some time, Terrence. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, I think what's happening is that the desire is being bolstered by what they're finding as they're going along. When, you know, when the initial inquiry began, you know, obviously we didn't know about it when it first started. I do imagine that there was, you know, some, you know, say, excitement, I guess, into looking into this, seeing what, you know, what was really going on behind the scenes. But as it developed and where it is now, I can imagine Loretta Rich and her team as they turn the page and find some other very open, 
um, evidence of corruption, um, it's kind of like wetting the appetite, so to speak, uh, to keep going on. I think um, they they now see, and they've been, I think they've been really surprised by just how open it's been, that they're now committed for the long haul. The, the statement that you just mentioned, you know, right before that, she also met, said the betrayal of trust set forth here is outrageous. You know, the scale of corruption alleged here is unconscionable. Uh, she is very clearly, you know, stating her intent that they're looking to weed out every single, at least as much as they can find, um, element of corruption that's been just rife in the sport for such a long time. Uh, I don't think, like I said before, I don't think anyone who really followed the game thought that, you know, this wasn't going on. It's just that we haven't really, you know, had it turn in our face or had someone like Royal Lynch who really just seems so, you know, engaged in this to take it on to this level. Um, and, you know, as, you know, going forward, I think we're just going to be seeing more and more, and it's going to be more and more baffling each time, um, you know, just the level of corruption that's become, you know, it's almost as if I kind of compared it earlier to someone as, you know, you're a freshman maybe, and you see maybe a high-achieving fraternity on campus. Uh, maybe they, you know, they're promising internships and things like that. Um, you know, you go through maybe initiation, and I guess the first day you enter and you realize it's not at all what it seems. I get the feeling that FIFA, for maybe people who are somewhat, perhaps, let's say, uncorruptible or, you know, as they first get in, they kind of join thinking it's going to be this experience, and as they get in, they just realize that, you know, the corruption is right here. Even the, you know, the person who's trying to remain as clean as possible gets swept into what's basically just like a systemic, you know, level of corruption that I think has just been going through the organization for ages, unchecked, and, you know, this kind of lead their reckoning, basically, what's happening right now. Terrence, I love that analogy, the, the corrupt fraternity that is that is FIFA and, and the brotherhood that was created over the years and the level of, of corruption behind the scenes and trust between these frat boys basically at the at this high, you know, billions of dollars level. Uh, it's it's definitely, definitely an analogy that could be uh, carried out there further. Now I have to go back to the uh, the Department of Justice press conference that just went down a couple hours ago and one question that was asked was, hey, Loretta Lynch, when are we going to start seeing U.S. soccer officials officially charged? Are there any U.S. soccer officials directly connected to this stuff that's going on with CONCACAF? We, we, I mean, I, I we'll get to what happened with former CONCACAF President Jeffrey Webb uh, a little bit later here on the show. But, but that question was so important of, hey, are, are we going to see U.S. soccer officials start to get officially charged in this saga and Loretta Lynch looked at that reporter and said, no comment. Next question. What do you make of, of that? Well, a couple of things that play, uh, for one, uh, I, I do believe, you know, Loretta Lynch, I don't think she just, you know, tried to avoid the question at all by giving that statement. I believe that they, they have some things that are, they're, you know, they're waiting for the right moment to start building up the next round of evidence. Um, I also believe on a deeper level, and I don't think this is any, you know, American bias here. I think perhaps some of the American officials may have been a bit smarter about, you know, hiding what they were doing or, you know, um, you know, going through maybe more levels of security to make sure that their corruption is not as obvious as it's been in, you know, South America and maybe Central America as well in the Caribbean, where, uh, you know, that fraternity that I spoke about may have just been a lot stronger. May have been a, it's been a lot more overt. Um, so I, I know I kind of can see a situation where you know in European my places as well where the European and American officials have perhaps been you know better about hiding their you know the, what they've been doing for the past 
couple of years, decades even. Um, but I do think, and uh, just the way she's approached this case, um, I think we're going to start seeing these things happening in the next couple of months. I don't think, I think it's just supposed to be maybe a timing issue. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, I, more is going to be happening and you will start seeing American officials, um, be, the officials at U.S. soccer being indicted on their charges. Now, Terrence, did you? Uh, well, actually, let's let's just get right into this. And and former Concacaf president Jeffrey Webb pleading guilty to money laundering uh, today, and and therefore forfeiting nearly seven million dollars. And this is a guy who worked so closely with with U.S. soccer and and U.S. soccer officials. I mean, there there have to be direct connections between Jeffrey Webb, who again just pleaded guilty, said, "I'm guilty. I did it." I'm not hiding anything anymore. Uh, there, there has to be direct connections with him to U.S. soccer official. I, I mean, am I crazy to say something like that? Yeah, well, not to play, I guess the way I see it is that perhaps on Webb's side of the corruption or were they able to uncover about Webb, um, it was so, I, I'm just imagining, you know, obviously this is just some speculation on my part right now, but imagining that uh, Webb, and, and, you know, we've seen this with Werner as well before uh, regarding CONCACAF. Uh, and I grew up in the Caribbean, by the way, so I, uh, it was always this sense, even in the Caribbean, about Werner and other CONCACAF officials that there was a lot of shady stuff going on. Um, I can definitely see a situation where um, the discrepancies, I guess, regarding financials on websites were, on website were far more obvious, I guess, than what you might see on the U.S. soccer side, who even the ones who have been in cohorts with Webb and may have been, you know, obviously engaging in corrupt acts, may have, you know, done more to circumvent their involvement, maybe run it through different channels, uh, you know, in an effort to kind of, I guess, shroud what they were doing. Um, but, no, there's certainly a connection. There are, you know, these, there's no, these, none of these, you know, people being charged, none, no one's working in a vacuum. Um, FIFA as a whole, top down, is entirely corrupt. Um, and I just think it's, it's, there's, it varies in terms of the level and also, I guess, the openness and the brazenness of the corruption, which is where, you know, we see, I guess, a difference in, you know, who, who's getting charged, um, what, what evidence is coming to the forefront earlier, so to speak. But um, the Department of Justice is not letting up. So even the ones who, you know, as she mentioned in the quote, you uh, will not wait us out. Uh, I think there are definitely a lot of people right now who still think they can, you know, stay under the radar for a bit, um, and it will all blow over. But there, after how... You know how large the story was in May. Um, I never thought we, even then, I wasn't sure if we'd necessarily see something that huge again. And now, today, you know, we're seeing evidence that this is going to keep happening. This is not a one off deal at all. So, even the ones who, you know, in U.S. soccer may be kind of, you know, ducking down under the table, so to speak, hoping that it's all going to blow over. I think uh, they're there. I feel as though every Wednesday of reckoning is going to come. Um, you will not escape our focus, which is how uh, Loretta finished that quote. Uh, it sounds like a movie, you know? It sounds like a film. And they, they're, they're full on, fully on board with, with finding everyone responsible. And it just makes it longer. Well, I, 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 said, I said in the opening, Terrence, it, it sounds not only like a movie, it sounds like a Liam Neeson movie. You know, you, you, will, you, will, not es- you will not wait us out. You will not escape our focus. Quickly, there's no time. We must go. We're going to head to a break here on World Soccer Talk Radio. And I want to actually talk with Terrence on the other side of this break about 
growing up in, in Trinidad and Tobago and and knowledge in the Caribbean of the likes of Jack Warner and, and all his folks around him in, in years prior? Who, who were the first people to, to, to see some of this stuff, to, to see the tip of the iceberg way back when, before this was a big, massive worldwide story? We'll talk all about that on the other side of the break. World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byline, Broadcasting Network, Terrence Ross with yours truly, Nate Abarea. Stay tuned. World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barrett, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Welcome back to the show. My name is Nada Barrett. Terrence Ross of The Guardian and WorldSoccerTalk.com is with us. And, and we, we talked about something there at the end of the last segment that, that I think is a good thing to bring to the show here. And that is some, some firsthand experience here. And, and Terrence, as, as we've referenced, you grew up, you're born and bred in uh, Trinidad and Tobago, which is of course the, the land of Jack Warner. And Jack Warner has uh, brought some, uh, let, let's just say some attention to, uh, to Trinidad and Tobago uh, over the last year or so with everything that went down uh, with, with the individual Jack Warner saga and how it connected uh, with FIFA. What do you remember about Jack Warner when you first knew who he was? And, and was there anybody in Trinidad and Tobago who, who looked at him as a, a corrupt man? And doing yeah, all so, these evil, bad things, or, or I mean, what, what was the, the general feeling about, you know, he was this beloved figure? I, I hear both sides of this. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely kind of like a polarizing situation, so to speak. Uh, I was born in 1989, so uh, that was the year that, uh, tra- before Trinidad finally made the World Cup in 2006. 1989 was the closest we had come as a nation to qualifying. Uh, ahead of the last game, we played the United States in our national stadium, the Hazley Crawford Stadium. And we lost the game 1-0. But the game itself, it became such a, you know, obviously it was a chance to qualify. Um, Warner, this is kind of where the first, you know, from my knowledge, the first kind of uh, corruption really began. He pretty much overflowed tickets to the game to the point where um, and George Vesey, the former New York Times, uh, long-time New York Times soccer writer, mentioned this in his book, that it could have been a Hillsborough situation, you know, looking back to what happened in Liverpool and England in the 80s, where there were so many people in the stadium that it could have actually been a hazard. Um, and they were lucky, you know, Vesey mentioned this at the end, you know, it was really kind of lucky that it didn't end up being a kind of c- catastrophe what happened. Um, him, you know, selling all these extra tickets, getting all these extra people in the stadium, it was very unsafe. Um, so for me, that was the kind of first, you know, growing up, I would hear about this. Um, but then there are so many other things, right? And the biggest thing, I think, in general about, you know, Seth Blatter and Jack Warner, um, and I guess, you know, the polarizing nature of uh, their time in, you know, at the helm of FIFA, of, uh, FIFA, is that one thing that they did, which, and this is why you see Jack Warner kind of being, you know, having two sides to how people view it, is that they largely decentralized. Uh, FIFA for being a European and South American agency and really work to kind of, you know, get the rest of the world involved, um, get, give them their own say, give them their own standing power, so to speak. Um, unfortunately, doing this involved a lot of corruption. Um, with, for example, in 2011, um, in uh, Trinidad, there were, you know, there was an event for the Caribbean Football Union, and Jack Werner comes in um, and starts giving out these brown paper envelopes with uh, $40,000 U.S., in them to the 25 members. Uh, the money came from Mohammed bin Amam, who is 
at the time, obviously, running for Rana's presidency, uh, someone in the crowd actually complained and called FIFA. And then Jack Rona kind of did his old backtracking thing, um, saying, you know, it's not a bribe, it's a gift, you know, uh, in inverted commas, um, from a man. So, you know, there's always been this kind of, uh, how do you describe it? Basically, Warner, I feel Warner's been so entrenched in these corrupt actions for so long, and even he sometimes probably loses track of just how, you know, how deep this rabbit hole goes. Um, like I mentioned before, you know, with the fraternity of corruption, um, it's difficult, I think, even for good people to kind of avoid it. And Warner's someone who started 25-odd years ago, and I think it just, you know, even if in his mind when he first started doing some shady things, it would have been one-off thing. I think over time it just kept compounding till you know, you, you hear the allegations against him now. Um, it's, it, you know, it's really insane. Uh, and just about the, you know, the general perception in Trinidad, uh, there were, you know, people were proud of having someone, you know, a very tiny country. Uh, for the record, Trinidad is the smallest country to ever uh, make it to the World Cup. So to see someone like him with such a high level, you know, vice president of FIFA, there is a sense of national pride that goes with that. Um, even if, you know, even if you do know deep down there might be some things that are somewhat questionable, the, the overarching, you know, broad spectrum of FIFA and having someone, you know, from our tiny nation in such a large position, um, you know, it, 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 there's a sort of pride there. Um, you know, there's a sort, you know, there's a sense of, you know, let's just forget this scandal, keep our heads down, close our, you know, close our ears, close our eyes, see no evil, that kind of um, ideology that I think really kind of permeated throughout the country. But he definitely has detractors, you know. Even growing up, you know, you see things in the papers by certain people who were, I can't recall the names now, but, they, you know, it was not a secret. But it was kind of like this kind of hush-hush situation. It's like, you know what, you know, maybe he'll stop one day and even these things don't have to come to light. But, you know, he's, he's always been, always been a polarizing figure. And there's definitely been people who've always known that, you know, his day of reckoning would come. First off, any shout-out to the 2006 Trinidad and Tobago uh, national team that made it to the World Cup there uh, in Germany is always appreciated on the show. We love you, Cornell Glenn, a great, great San Jose Earthquake alum, and, of course, Shaka Hislop, also a uh, great friend of the show. So cheers, cheers to that 06 uh, TNT squad. Now, I, I, I do have to ask you here in the, uh, the, the three minutes that we got left before we got to head to another break here with you, Terrence, we, we talked all about the perception of Jack Warder in Trinidad and Tobago and here in the States and, and around the world with the way internet television basically works nowadays. I'm sure you saw all that went on with uh, John Oliver and, and the HBO show uh, last week tonight. And, and when John Oliver said, all right, we're going toe to toe with Jack Warder. It's John Oliver versus Jack Warner. What did you make of that as someone who is a, a, a proud citizen of, of the country and being in touch with people back home? What did you and maybe your family and friends make of, of all that with this comedian going toe to toe with Jack Warner? All right, that was. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I'm a big John Oliver fan. Uh, before you know, I, I did soccer full time. I worked for the Atlantic. Um, and I did some entertainment stuff for them at times. And you know, I wrote this really long piece when I first saw his show. Uh, you know, a year and a half ago now, maybe. You know that he was. You know, he was doing such a good job of not only showcasing problems with the world, but really following up on them. And we see a prime example with uh, his whole kind of inter- you know interchange with Jack Water. Um, so for my friends, I remember I would see this blow up on Facebook, you know, uh, when, Warner, when Oliver first called him out, and then uh, Warner had his response, and then, you know, Oliver came back to him again. 
Um, most of my friends were kind of just laughing at the whole situation. Uh, but there, were, there was some issue in Trinidad, however, where you see, you know, maybe some of the older people thought that Oliver was being somewhat disrespectful in the way he went about his segment. But people who are fans of the show know that, like, that's his style. You know, he, he kind of, uh, he makes jokes about things to kind of loop in someone who may not know about the issue. And then, you know, he really beats you over the head with the facts of the matter. Um, so for us, it was, uh, it was kind of funny to be on the map in such a strange way. But almost, you know, for the people in Trinidad who know Jack Warner as this person, and, you know, watching him deny was, it was just hilarious for us because we, we almost saw it coming. Um, uh, so it was, it, was a, it was a kind of funny moment for us, uh, kind of a weird way to be in the spotlight. Um, but uh, the general sentiment, at least among, you know, people, my acquaintances, the people I'm closer to, was kind of like, it's, it's good that Jack Warner is getting exposed like this. You know, hopefully not at the not the behest of Trinidad, but it was, it was cool to see um, him being kind of forced and flustered in a way um, to kind of explain, you know, the things he's been doing for so long. His name is Terrence Ross, reporter for The Guardian and WorldSoccerTalk.com. On the other side of this break, we're going to get away from, from this FIFA saga, get away from the likes of, of Jack Warner and Seth Blatter and Alfredo Howitt and Juan Angel Napout and CONCACAF and CONMEBOL. We're actually going to take a trip to Deutschland. We're heading to Germany, a place where the gaffer, Chris Harris, Kardik Krishnayer, and Terrence Ross himself all recently went for a, a phenomenal press tour of Germany, spending a lot of time with two clubs, Schalke and Bayer Leverkusen. And interesting story coming out of this involving Chicharo, Chicharito, supposedly snubbing, some people say jabbing American and Mexican soccer journalists and in this very bizarre fashion. So we'll talk all things Deutschland. We'll talk Chicharito on the other side of this break. Terrence Ross with yours truly, Nate Abarea, right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. And now, more of World Soccer Talk Radio, right here on Sports Byline and SportsByline.com. Welcome back to the show, which today is brought to you by Audible. They have a free book for you today. The real challenge with Audible is picking which book. Over 180,000 titles, bestsellers, fiction, biographies, you name it. So many good soccer books to choose from, including the new business book from Sir Alex Ferguson entitled Leading, where he shares his insight about the leadership skills he used at Manchester United. It is a phenomenal read, whether you want to read it yourself or have it read to you in audio form. Whether you're a Manchester United fan, even a Liverpool fan like myself can enjoy that book entitled Leading from Sir Alex Ferguson. There's the John Motson autobiography. All of you aspiring broadcasters out there, get on that one. Oh my goodness, John Motson's autobiography. There's the Bobby Charlton book, The Secret Footballer's Guide to the Modern Game, and so many more. You can get a link for the Daily Digest, the New York Times, or the Wall Street Journal. All of it is available to you for free for the first 30 days, and you cancel during the first 30 days. You pay absolutely nothing, and the book is yours to keep. But I think you will be hooked. Audible is a great way to listen to your favorite authors on your commute, at the gym, wherever you may need them. Here's the deal. You can get a free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash worldsoccertalk. You got nothing to lose. You get to keep the book no matter what. Best case scenario, you keep going with Audible. 
for months on end. Again, audibletrial.com slash world soccer talk. First month, absolutely free. You get a free audiobook that is yours to keep. Sign up today, audibletrial.com slash world soccer talk. My name is Nate Abarea. Terrence Ross still with us in this edition of the show. And we're going to move beyond the FIFA rests and the latest raids of a luxurious Zurich hotel and what it means to <laughs> CONCACAF and CONMEBOL. We're going to take a trip, as promised, to Germany and relive a recent trip to Germany taken by one Terrence Ross, also the gaffer, Chris Harris is out there, Carter Krishnire, a few other people involved uh, with WorldSoccerTalk.com and involved uh, with this show with World Soccer Talk Radio. Tell us uh, what, what this was like and, and what the experience was for you, specifically in Schalke and uh, Leverkusen, Terrence. Yeah, so just a bit of background for, you know, the, the listeners about the trip. Uh, the Bundesliga is doing a lot of kind of like media outreach now. They're, um, they're, everyone in Europe is kind of playing catch-up with the Premier League with regards to you know, global expansion. Um, so this is a kind of effort on the part of the Bundesliga to really you know, tell people more about what the league is like and you know, do some more global outreach. So this itinerary for the trip, uh, we, arrived, uh, we arrived at various times, but the trip really lasted from Sunday to Wednesday. So Sunday we arrived in Dusseldorf, we were able to go over to Leverkusen and take in the Leverkusen Schalke game from the press box. Um, after that, we were able to interview some of the players, meet some of the coaches. Um, you know, I just generally get a feeling for what it's like on a real Bundesliga match day. Uh, the next day, we came back to the Bayern Arena, Leverkusen Stadium, and we watched some of the training, interviewed some of the players, got a general tour of the stadium, and you know, the changing room, which is really awesome. Um, also getting, you know, a little bit more about the history of the club. Um, and we also got to sit down with Michael Shade, who's uh, general, uh, basically the chief executive of Leverkusen. Uh, he was really candid, so I'll be able to talk about the things he told us about what to try to do with the league. Uh, and then on Tuesday, the next day, which is our last like, full day in Germany, we headed over to Gelsenkirchen to the Belton's Arena, which is the home of Schalke 04. We were giving a tour there. We were able to meet two players, uh, Franco DeSanto and Gina Casara. Uh, we got a tour of the youth academy and got a kind of gist of how the youth academies work in terms of the players, their housing, and you know it's like a kind of really cool kind of dorm situation that um, they have someone looking over them for the youth players rising up. Um, then we got to finish kind of on a bang. I think a lot of us we had our most fun at this part. Uh, the newly opened German football museum in Dortmund, uh, which I believe opened sometime in October, uh, a really fantastic museum with. It's the, uh, the memorabilia in there is insane. You know, Mario Gutz's game-winning boots from the World Cup last year, signed um, jerseys by Philipp Blom, Bastian Schweinsteiger, the like. Uh, so we got a tour of the history of German football, also with regards to, you know, their, their performance last year in Brazil, which a lot of people have been interested in. So that was kind of the tenure of the trip. You know, come here, see what the Bundesliga is about. Um, the reason they're kind of doing this outreach now is not only to just expand, you know, the knowledge about their league abroad, but they're going to have the Florida Cup uh, in January next year from, 10, from the 10th to the 20th. So it's during the break in the Bundesliga because they go on about a one-month break for the winter, uh, where Bayer Leverkusen and Schalke are both going to be in Florida um, partaking some games against some USA teams and also some teams from South America. Uh, so they're kind of like, you know, trying to build up some anticipation for that. Um, so that, you know, that was the entire kind of program for the trip. But, you know, it was an awesome time uh, in general. 
Well, I look forward to uh, hearing more about the the Florida Cup as as that idea comes to fruition. Now, I want to go back to to your time in Leverkusen. Tell us more about what you heard and and what the Bundesliga officials are doing right now, what they're actively doing to to globalize, to become a, a global brand and and follow in the footsteps and you know in in their in their wildest dreams, perhaps surpass what what the the premier league has has done obviously that is that is a a very long-term project but in the short and in the long term talk about what they're trying to do in that regard what you heard yeah so they're certainly committed you know long term they're 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 putting a lot of effort and resources towards this movement and it's really because like i mentioned before they're playing catch-up in fact everyone in europe is generally playing catch-up to the premier league in terms of global you know global exposure abroad the premier league were there were so eager to do this, you know, a decade ago when they really just started, you know, implanting their roots in different countries. Um, a lot of the other leagues in Europe, um, I guess they were so confident in their own product and they'd been so used to doing things traditionally. Um, they weren't in such a rush. And I think now just how much, you know, look at the TV money that's coming to England from all around the world. Um, the last couple of years, um, La Liga and Bundesliga in particular have both realized the time is now. You know, the time actually might have passed, so now they really have to kind of play catch-up to what they were through before. So just, you know, specifically with Leverkusen, um, uh, I heard from one executive, which is interesting, uh, that Chicharito, which we'll get to a little bit later, has been perhaps the most important transfer in terms of the global, you know, um, exposure of the club. You know, he, there's this, you know, some of the Mexican journalists who were with us gave us a bit of, um, you know, gave us some knowledge about what's going on in Mexico with regards to his performances in Germany. He's doing quite well at the moment for Leverkusen. Uh, he, you know, there's this hashtag has developed called, you know, Chicha Sunday or Chicha Mania. Um, so when Bayer Leverkusen playing on the weekend, you know, people are tuning in just to watch their beloved Chicharito. Beloved or not so beloved, as we'll see later, but Chicharito play. So the German League right now, what they're trying to do is they're capitalizing on the international stars, trying to get into those markets where people may, who may not know Leverkusen are paying attention because a certain player plays there. Um, so they're really trying to tap into that. And, they're re- you know, this Florida Cup is another great example. Um, you know, they want to lure American fans in who may not know about the club or maybe heard, you know, different things about the club. But the main thing is that they, what they need to do and what they know that they need to do is they need to develop the kind of culture that you see that a team like Liverpool has in England. There's an imprint there. People know Liverpool. They understand the club. They know the culture of the club. They feel a connection to it. While Bayern Munich might have, you know, some, you know, some roots here in the U.S., the rest of the clubs have really struggled to do that. And, you know, this is part of that effort. Um, so I think, you know, the people there, they seem very committed. I think it will certainly be successful on some level. Um, but, you know, the Premier League has such a crazy head start. Uh, it remains to be seen just like how long it will take for them to make significant leaps or if it's even possible in the long run. All right, I've heard some some interesting stories about uh, some comments from Chicharito. You were actually there, so you can you can verify this stuff. Tell us what's real, what's not real. People saying that he was kind of snubbing and and in other ways jabbing at both Mexican and American soccer journalists uh, in in some very bizarre kind of Chicharito ways. Tell us what he said, what actually went down between Chicharito and Mexican and American soccer journalists recently. Cool. No problem. So, you know, I think of all credit to the Bundesliga with regards to setting up the trip. You know, they definitely made players and coaches available for us. 
they were able to respond to most of our requests like very quickly. So they you know they were certainly very accommodating the entire time. Uh, now specifically the chicharito thing, uh, this is very disappointing for some of the Mexican journalists uh, in particular. We uh, you know we were told I guess leading into it that you know we might have an opportunity to be able to talk to him. Obviously you know it was a very important game against Shaka. Um, he has training, all these things. So it's, he's not just you know constantly available for us. It's the middle of the season for Germany, um, in Germany. So you know we were you know we were kind of tempered in our expectations. But you know the day we spent it at Leverkusen, uh, we all expected, I guess, I think after lunch that you know he'd be able to come down and speak to us for about ten to fifteen minutes. And we were told that he didn't want to. Uh, I don't know how much of this has to do with the American media because it generally seems like definitely more geared towards the Mexican media. And in our conversations with the Mexican journalists, who, you know, were understandably very disappointed, because for them, that's their target market. You know, getting an opportunity to speak to Chicharito and taking it back to their various publications was obviously one of the things, you know, the major thing for them on this trip. So it's very disappointing for them. But in conversations with them, we kind of learned, and I think maybe English-speaking audiences hadn't really been, you know, exposed to this. But there's generally this sentiment that, he doesn't like speaking to the Mexican reporters at all. Um, they, it wasn't, you know, to them it wasn't actually too much of a surprise. They were kind of like, they were, dis- they were disappointed, but you definitely got this sense of, eh, this is typical Chicharito. And not just Chicharito, um, in terms of not wanting to talk, um, you know, I also heard that for them, most of the Mexicans who make it to Europe or make it abroad kind of feel like, okay, we don't need you anymore um, to the press specifically. Uh, you know, now that we, we've kind of made it, we don't need you guys to just promote us. Like, we're fine, we're good. Um, they, they often think that the Mexican press is too demanding um, and also very critical of the players abroad. We, and, you know, we've seen definitely Mexico as a country, they're extremely demanding on their teams and coaches, and, you know, they believe that they should be a level a lot higher than they are right now. Um, but there's definitely the sentiment that the Mexican players who go abroad aren't exactly the most willing to speak to their local reporters. Um, I don't know if it's a thing that you know runs through the whole team, but the general sense was from them that you know it was unfortunate that they couldn't speak to Chicharito, but it wasn't a total surprise. Um, so while everyone was kind of disappointed, the Mexicans in particular were um, you know they're the ones who really you know were kind of peeved at the entire situation. Well, Terrence, to, to finish up on this topic here. We're talking about the globalization and, and all these efforts of, of the Bundesliga and, and even the individual clubs to, to get this globalization process rolling. This doesn't seem like something that's going to help out with the globalization process of these reporters coming thousands of miles to, to get a chance to speak to him as he's, as he's playing in the, in the Bundesliga and he tells him he's not going to talk to him. It doesn't seem like it's going to do any favors to that, that, uh, that process we speak of. Yeah, yeah, it was like, it was really kind of a shame because you know the Bundesliga did such an amazing job with us for the four or five days we were there. You know, really able to give us access. But I think you know when things when it comes down to players like that, if Chicharito doesn't want to speak, you know they can't force him to. Um, the Premier League, for example, there's uh, you know there's contracts written regarding media appearances, which is kind of why you know the Premier League has been able to do so well abroad. They've been almost iron-fisted in the way they've kind of forced their product out and forced the people involved with the league to adhere to those principles. Uh, the German League, for example, and, you know, this is the way they actually might be really appealing to Americans or maybe jaded about the Premier League, is that they really hold tradition close. Um, they, it's, it's why they haven't expanded as quickly as possible. It's because they really do believe in, you know, keeping the league German, 
um, definitely bringing in internationals, and they've always been a league. It's been on the forefront of having foreign players play, but they're very you know rooted in tradition. Um, so you know they didn't feel the need early on to just go out expanding anywhere. Or like you know some people might say the Premier League has kind of sold its soul in the way it's just really embraced um, you know you know going abroad and spreading you know spreading the league like that. Um, so you know with Chicharito, if he says no. There's nothing they can do about it. They, there are contracts in terms of, you know, the press conferences that they have to do after the match. You know, that's very explicitly stated. But the league on the whole, you know, they are not in the, in the business of forcing people to do things against their will. Um, while, you know, they, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they did all they could to make sure what happens. But if Chicharito, you know, doesn't want to be, doesn't want to be interviewed by Mexican or American journalists, uh, you know, short of forcing him, which I mentioned before is really out of the character, uh, they were really kind of their hands were kind of locked in that situation, which is a shame because, like I said, they were really fantastic otherwise. Well, absolutely. And hey, Terrence, by the way, I heard a, uh, a loud police siren there in the background. Are you involved with any of this FIFA stuff? <laughs> yeah, they're coming for me next. I gotta maybe, maybe it's my uh, maybe Jack Warner heard me speaking. Uh, he's going to start barging down my door anytime soon. <laughs> oh, Trinidad and Tobago, guilty by association. There you go. Are you? Yeah. Are you? Are you waiting in the shadows? There, they will. They will find you. They will get you. Liam, <laughs> Liam, I, Liam I, Neeson. I, I, Oops, I mean Loretta Lynch. She is coming for you. Look out. Hey, Terrence. Before we let you go, uh, how can folks get a hold of you on social media? Awesome. Yeah. So just ask T Ross eight four zero. Funny enough, side story. There was a basketball player for the Toronto Raptors with my name. Um, I, so I'm not the basketball player. <laughs> uh, so just, you know, ask K-Ross, h you can catch me there. And quick question for you, actually. Um, you know, we heard Jurgen Klopp's name so much on our tour, which is really funny because, uh, you know, the league is very still attached to him. How happy are you right now as a Liverpool fan? Uh, after watching the, the football pornography on display yesterday on the South Coast <laughs> and that 6-1 thumping of the Saints in Southampton, I'd say I am rather high on clot mania. Terrence Ross, that was a beautiful way to close this out. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome back anytime, man. Best of luck in the future. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Again, that was Terrence Ross of The Guardian and WorldSoccerTalk.com. Back after this to close this thing out. Stay tuned. Hey, before I let you go, got to tell you about my footballing day yesterday, Wednesday the 2nd. Got to see Liverpool with that glorious thrashing of Southampton 6-1. Sturridge, Origi, Kloppy, Ibe, Hendo, just the beautiful football on the South Coast. Klopp mania is in full effect. After that Liverpool match, got to hop on a bus and drive south to Tehama County where the Shasta Wolfpack got their season underway. JV boys with a 4-1 victory over Red Bluff. The Varsity boys with a 5-0 clean sheet in the nightcap. Come on, you Wolves. Come on, Shasta. Come on, Liverpool. Thanks again to Terrence Ross. Thanks to the producers. Thanks to the gaffer. My name's Nate Abarea. I will talk to you manana. Till then, take care. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 